Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. I'm Michelle Martin. Good morning. Asia-Pacific stocks are in the green this morning. Tokyo and Seoul are both up 1%. Sydney is not far behind. Markets in Hong Kong closed today for a holiday. Investors will have their eyes on China's consumer price data due out this morning at around 9.30am. There is also fresh data to assess here in Singapore. I'll get to that in just a moment. Joining me now to break down all the market action. Good Thursday morning, Ryan Huang. Happy Thursday, Michelle. How's it going? Pretty good. One day closer to Friday. <laughs> Indeed. Breaking news this morning, the Monetary Authority of Singapore taking a step to tighten credit. This is a surprise move that MAS officials say is needed to ensure price stability over the medium term. As regular listeners of the show know, unlike the US Federal Reserve, MAS does not set interest rates directly. It adjusts Singapore's currency ban, which then filters through to interest rates. So Ryan, investors were expecting MAS to keep this currency ban stable, but they didn't. So why is that? Yeah, so we actually had 11 out of 13 economists in this uh, poll by Reuters predicting that they would stay pat, keep things unchanged, but it turns out they were wrong. So we have the first tightening in three years. So what we have in details is a bit of a slight raise in, in um Quotes, they are raising slightly the slope of the Sing dollar nominal effective exchange rate or the Sing dollar near policy band from 0% previously. So this kind of helps the Sing dollar to appreciate to some extent. And that is to guard against what's expected to be rising costs. We've seen that happen across many areas, commodities, and that will also come through with inflated imported inflation where the goods you import in Singapore will also cost more. And all that also with a backdrop of how the US dollar could also go up. So you've got a bit of a preemptive move here by MES to just guard against those um, pressures. In related news, the latest figures out this morning showed that Singapore's economy grew at a good pace in the third quarter of the year, not as strong as expected. GDP growth for the third quarter clocks in at 6.5%. What's the latest here, Ryan? What can we learn from these numbers? Yeah, 6.5%, pretty much in line with what the consensus forecast was, which was 6.6%. If you compare it to the second quarter, year-on-year year for the second quarter was 15.2%. So you might see, maybe from headlines, hey, it's such a big difference. But you have to bear in mind that there was a big um, base effect play here. Uh, You might remember last year, in the second quarter, we went through a circuit breaker. So it does come off that circuit breaker period for the second quarter. And then we kind of progressed from there into the third quarter, which had a bit more uh, growth. So based on those uh, base effect levels, you don't have the same eye-popping number as the second quarter. So if you look into the sequential numbers, quarter on quarter, the third quarter grew 0.8%, reversing the contraction of um, 1.1% in the prior quarter. So that is a bit of an improvement, a bit of a bright spot, and that is being supported by the manufacturing sector, especially with the electronics picture. Um, That industry posting strong growth, because of sustained global demand for semiconductors and equipment. So that's doing strongly as well. A bit of a pickup in construction, but still not back to where it was pre-pandemic levels because of the 
measures in place for safety distancing as well as the uh, tightness in the labour market. So that is one thing to continue watching for the GDP data. But otherwise, pretty much um, um, encouraging data. We move next to U.S. corporate earnings season and to high-profile companies, one bank, one airline. Both are reporting substantial improvements in their business, but it doesn't mean that all is golden. Certainly not if you look at how investors have reacted. Now, the companies are J.P. Morgan Chase and Delta Airlines. Let's start with J.P. Morgan. The investment house grossed $30 billion U.S. dollars in the third quarter of the year. It made a profit of more than $11 billion. Uh, that beat analysts' expectations, nearly 25% better than a year ago. Ryan, what is driving JP Morgan's gains? Yeah, so it beat forecast for both a, the top and bottom line. So you are looking at this as a bit of a reflection of how the economy is bouncing back and you are looking at a couple of things driving it. So fees and investment banking is one of them. For example, we saw a rather robust quarter when it came to mergers, IPOs. So that sort of investment banking fees um, jump up by 50% to a record $3.28 billion. So that beat the estimate by half a billion dollars. So that was one of the strong drivers. And also a big factor was its release of um, provisions that set aside for potential loan losses. So that also partly because of a brighter outlook. Yeah, so JP Morgan releasing more than two billion US dollars in reserves that it had set aside for bad loans. That would certainly seem to be a vote of confidence in economic recovery, wouldn't you say? It definitely is a good sign that we are in for better days if we go by what the banks are doing, releasing those um, um, bad loan provisions. So what's going to be interesting to watch will be the coming days when we do get the report cards from the likes of Bank of America, mm-hmm. Wells Fargo. Uh, Citigroup, all the rest of the banks, if they are also following suit. If they do, that's going to be a bullish sign for the U.S. economy. Uh, But it also means um, the so-called factor that has been lifting these banks, the release of loan loss provisions in the past few quarters, uh, that factor will start to fade and they will have to rely on the other growth engines to really drive earnings going forward. Keep a look out on those bank results for you. JP Morgan is the first of the big Wall Street banks to report earnings. And yes, Citigroup, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, they'll all be opening their books later this week. Uh, JP Morgan's chief, Jamie Dimon, even said he doubts that supply chain issues, which are dominating the headline now, will be an issue a year from now. Investors sold off on JP Morgan's results. The bank shares closed down 2.6%. All right, let's turn now to Delta Airlines. So Delta is reporting its first profitable quarter since the beginning of the pandemic more than 18 months ago. The carrier's revenue nearly tripled compared with last year, coming in at more than $9 billion US dollars, well above analysts' expectations. There is a but, though. Investors are not happy. Delta shares closed down nearly 6% overnight. So why is that? Yeah, so that's interesting when you look at the numbers and then the share price reaction. But you have to bear in mind that Delta has been on a bit of a good run the past year. It's up 26% so far this year. So after the results, we did see maybe some profit-taking or selling on the news. Excuse me. So there you have um, a couple of things that investors are also digesting. Besides the good report card, they are also looking forward to what might come in the future. 
And that is a bit of a dampener when you look at what Delta is warning. Rising costs when it comes to things like fuel. Mm. It's expecting those costs um, overall to rise 6 to 8% in the fourth quarter and expects fuel prices, for example, to rise from two from rather 197 to 225 to 240. So that is a wow. bit of a uptick in cost pressures. But I think that's a bit of a silver lining because of the pent-up travel demand. Mm. They are actually seeing a lot more people paying for more premium seats. So they are able maybe in future to offset some of those um, higher costs with fatter margins. All right, investors sold off other carriers overnight as well. United Airlines fell nearly 4%. American Airlines, they finished off more than 3%. In macroeconomic news, consumer prices in the U.S. are rising faster than expected. It's another sign that inflation pressures may not be transitory. The U.S. Consumer Price Index rose 5.4% in September compared with a year earlier. At the same time, we do have fresh indication of when the Fed plans to start tightening credit. So what is driving U.S. inflation numbers, Ryan, and could this force the Fed's hand even further, these forces? Yeah, so those numbers came through for September, 0.4% jump from August and from the prior year, 5.4% up. So that, based on the headline, is actually a 13-year high. And this was driven by higher prices for food, gasoline and rent. So this against the backdrop of what we are seeing, shipping challenges, material shortages, high commodity prices, no rising wages, all contributing to this inflationary pressure picture. And in terms of what the Fed might do, we have the minutes reinforcing expectations that we could see tapering coming as soon as mid-November. So it does support that picture right now. I think barring any disruptions or any unforeseen circumstances, that will be the way things will pan out. Oh boy, it's taper time. An article on Market Watch caught my eye this morning. The headline roars. These are the types of companies Warren Buffett says you should invest in during times of inflation. So what does the Oracle of Omaha mm. have to say about investing in inflationary times? I'm not sure what to take away from this because he always says invest, right? <laughs> uh, so anyways, based on what people are reading into some of his comments based on previous uh, letters that he's written. Uh, he feels inflation, um, during inflationary times, one of the best places to go into is real estate because it is a bit of an asset that can reward you um, on the rise in value as well as maybe dividends as well, if it does pay dividends, especially when you into REITs. And the ones to avoid actually are utilities and railroads. So the thinking here is don't buy into anything that might require too much investment into CAPEX or infrastructure or equipment because these things will start to add up. It'll cost money. It'll eat into your profits. So that's um, his thinking here. And something that's worth noting as well, he likes companies which can withstand an inflationary environment more. And these companies have two characteristics. One of them is the ability to raise prices easily. So despite competition or uh, market share, if that company can raise prices without losing uh, market share or customers, that is a, a strong company that he likes. And also the ability to accommodate um, large volumes of business by scaling up without um, additional investment in the same proportion. So that, for example, might mean 
software companies mm. which can get additional customers without having to buy as much um, investment or equipment than what you might need in um, selling goods and services. Yeah, and his tried and true uh, advice, of course, the index stock, just hold the S&P 500. Yesterday on the show, we talked about supply chain issues and how ports across the world are facing backlogs. U.S. President Joe Biden addressed this issue overnight. So what action is Biden taking? Yeah, so he wants people to work harder. In fact, he wants them to work 24 hours a day at the ports. So that is his solution to ease the supply chain blockages. As we've talked about before, the ports are now clogged up with so many containers. It's almost like a Tetris game right now. Mm. So to ease it, he thinks it's a good idea to expand operations at some of these ports to round-the-clock business. So this is something I guess could go some way to easing it. But I think you have to also bear in mind... Some ports already run 24 hours. In fact, um, if you look at what the target CEO is saying, they have been running 24 hours round the clock for the past few years and they handle 50% of the containers that come through at night already. Um, So that is something they feel they can continue to do and maybe raise it by 10% in the next 90 days. So... To some levels, you already have some companies doing it. So in terms of what we can get in terms of uh, marginal gains, if you do push for 24 hours, it remains to be seen. And also if you think about where you're going to get workers and truck drivers from, that is a big question mark as well. How are you going to operate 24 hours with the labour market being so tight? Mm, big questions there. Let's move to corporate news and a game of up or down. Ryan, I know you're a fan of the original Star Trek series, so I'm going to start with an unusual item. William Shatner. Okay, so <laughs> this is an up for me. Beam me up, Scotty Bart Bezos. So he is now the oldest person ever to have gone into space because he took a ride on the Blue Origin aircraft funded by Jeff Bezos. So he is one of four astronauts that just went to space and came back overnight. So they spent about three or four minutes experiencing weightlessness. And this really paves the way for commercial travel into space. Oh, go William Shatner, up, up and away. He's best known for playing Captain Kirk. So Captain Kirk really made it into subspace overnight. At 90 years old, he is the oldest person to make the trip. Next, let's look at Sam Marine. All right, Sam Marine is going to be an up for me and that's because they are in the news for um, being in negotiations with the Brazilian Navy for a contract involving the construction of an Antarctic support vessel. Value of the potential contract not disclosed, so still in discussions. Sounds pretty cool, an Antarctic support vessel. So up for me for Semarine on the back of that news as well. Next, let's look at iSwitch. All right, so this is going to be a down for me. Mm. iSwitch, uh, you might be familiar with it as one of the um, OEM players in the open electricity market. So they are also the largest independent electricity retailer and the fourth largest retailer. So they have decided to bow out from retail operations next month. So reasons they have cited 
Um, current market conditions. Beyond mm. that, no details, but I think it's partly due to the rising costs of um, energy um, when you look at what's going on. Mm. This is bad news for many consumers. I switch calling it quits. All right, let's turn to Singapore now. We are 20 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index chalked up some solid gains yesterday, rising nearly 1.5% to 31.56. Thai beverage led the way higher. Gunting Singapore and the three local banks all registered good gains as well. Ryan, how's the SDI trading this morning? And is it holding on to yesterday's gains? I'm afraid not. So across the region, we are pretty much seeing a slight gain from most regional markets, but it seems like SDI is bucking the trend. It's down 0.4% at 3,142. Looking at the SDI um, constituents, uh, more red than green right now, just about 10 in the green. Uh, Right at the bottom right now is SGX down 1.6% followed by a couple of the banks, DBS leading the way down uh, 1%. They were among the top gainers yesterday. And if you look at Dairy Farm, also down 1.1%. SIA also continuing to give back gains from earlier this week, down 0.9% at 549. Uh, At the other end of the table, Jardine Cycling Carriage is up 2.2% at $22.50 right now. And you talk about Tiger Bath just now. Thai Bev is now in the green, 0.7% at 71 and a half cents. So that is extending the gains from yesterday when it rose 3.7%. Thanks very much, Ryan Huang. Fed officials broadly agree they need to start tapering soon. And the IMF proposes a new team to look into the origins of the COVID-19 crisis. Those are just some of the stories I'm going to be tracking for you. Keep it right here on Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.